Welcome nerd. Are you ready to launch 132nd expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now preparing shaky chem for quote, cool action scenes. Unencrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. Hey, this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, Christian. So this past week was the 20th anniversary of theatrical release to the original X-Men movie. Arguably the birth of the modern superhero genre alongside films like Blade and, you know, Spider-Man. Christian, thinking back, this huge franchise um, spanning like the past two decades, what would you say is your favorite film to come out of it not named Logan? <laughs> I can't say Logan. No, you can't say Logan. <laughs> or Deadpool. Because Deadpool counts, right? Yeah, Deadpool totally counts. But that, I think the one that stands out the most to me, and it's like not even just for nostalgia, but it's X-Men 2. You know, I, I love the first one, but the second one kicks so much ass. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's yeah. that scene where Wolverine is just going like almost yes. like berserker rage, fighting off Stryker as he like invades the mansion. Um, that's just one of my favorite scenes in the entire franchise. How about Nightcrawler's introduction? Like in the fucking White House. How upsetting is that <laughs> Brian Singer was such an asshole that he just like scared Ellen Cumming away from like playing that character ever again. Like how much better would the franchise would have been with Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler like throughout, you know, the entire series? Because mm -hmm. he was he was fantastic. That was a great intro to that character. No, I that was like one of the main reasons I loved it back then. I loved Nightcrawler going forward. That that scene in the White House mm -hmm. and how they like handled his power set. Just fucking awesome stuff, man. Yes. <laughs> I also loved um, the way that Magneto escaped fucking with the uh, the metal in the guard. Yes. That movie's yes. just fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a damn good movie. I think people kind of like forgotten about it, mm. you know, just because of how great the MCU's been. But that that was a great movie. It's probably one of my favorite comic book movies at that point when it came out. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like X2 is probably my favorite. Um, a close second, though, for me would definitely have to be, you know, mind you, not called Logan and Deadpool would have to be uh, First Class. I really dug that film, um, even though like continuity wise, it probably makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> I don't know if it was supposed to be like a reboot or reimagining, but like to put them back in the 60s, just age wise, you know, I don't know. It, it just was a mess. Um but I love that movie. You know, I think it really captured the spirit of that original team and everything. So, um, but yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened after, <laughs> you know, <laughs> days of future past. Um, but, it, you know, it, it kind of all went downhill, you know. I mean, there's uh, a reason but, you Fox know, had to sell, right? <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure they'd be in a different state if those movies were like, you know, super successful. But, mm -hmm. you know, Age of Apocalypse. I mean, my God, um, the debacle with New Mutants still not being out. It's It's been a mess. So and then Dark Phoenix. Jesus Christ. Let's not forget about Dark Phoenix. <laughs> they tried to do it twice. It didn't make any sense. 
with the same creator behind it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Dark Phoenix fuck? is horrible. Yeah. Last Stand, <laughs> I think, was actually better than Dark mm-hmm. Phoenix. Which is which is I saying can't. a lot. Yes, but anyway, <laughs> I think there's more good than bad though hmm. in the franchise, yeah, which I think people forget but, you know, just because of the success of the MCU. There's a lot of great films in there, um, you know, and I, now that they're on Disney Plus, I definitely want to go back and like revisit them. So um, hopefully, now that you know the franchise is in you know Kevin Feige's hands, you know we're gonna get a successful reimagining again reboot <laughs> yeah we're gonna <laughs> at get... least we know that foggy is gonna like you know pay attention mm-hmm. to continuity so um but i don't know we'll see i i can't wait for the gene gray saga three you know <laughs> i i have a feeling it's gonna be at least 20 years before they even try to touch dark phoenix again. i can only hope Jesus Christ, what a mess. <laughs> but anyway, cheers, X-Men. Yes, cheers. <laughs> Happy 20 years. Before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. All right, Christian, we got another five-star review this week. Um, it's from Brinkstar53, and it says, Great show. I love the show. This podcast covers almost all of my interests, video games, comic books, TV shows, and especially horror movies. They have turned me on to things I normally wouldn't pay attention to, but have grown to love. These guys are easy to listen to, and I highly recommend checking them out. Hey, thanks, man. If you liked us now, you're going to love us during Horror Month. We talk even more horror. That's right. Brinkstar53, go ahead and DM us your address, and some nerd swag will be on your way. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, David, first up, Star Wars The Bad Batch, an all-new animated series to debut on Disney Plus in 2021. So this was rumored for, like, I think it's like the last month or so I've been kind of hearing this, you know, on some of the more shadier sites <laughs> that aren't worth, like, reporting. But now this week, you know, it's official. Um, you know, The Bad Batch is coming back uh, in 2021 on Disney Plus uh, with David Filoni at the helm. And, you know, we're going to get to see kind of a sequel to the Clone Wars and what happens in the aftermath after, like, Order 66. Uh, I'm excited for that. You know, at first I was a little like, really, are we we're going back to the well already? <laughs> I was kind of hoping that you know, I knew they were going to do another animated series. Don't get me wrong, but I, I was hoping that'd be a different time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that we're revisiting, you know, basically like, you know, the Clone Wars, like right after everything, you know, the shit hits the fan. That's kind of exciting to me because we're going to get to see, you know, what the galaxy's like now that the Empire is like fully taken over. You know, maybe we get a little Jedi hunt action, Christian. That's maybe? that's all I could hope for. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got a read here. So let me go ahead and, you know, do the read. All right. They were right. kind enough to write one out. Um <laughs> So the series is going to follow the elite experimental uh, group of clones, the Bad Batch, uh, as they find their way in the rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars. 
in the post-Clone War era, they will take on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find a new purpose. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see where they're going to go with this. Because, I mean, when you think about it, all the clones were, like, decommissioned after that, you know, to pretty much told to go home or do whatever the fuck you want this point like where, where do these misfits fit in this galaxy and stuff like that uh they were interesting for the first few episodes but not like you know the most exciting crew to join that that final season with you know and they felt more like this is what i would get from you know side characters rather than main characters so that's why i'm kind of a little a little hesitant with this series i'm like i don't know how they they will be as the main focus but, you know, I'm interested yeah. to see where they go, at least, I guess. I like the premise of the story, mm-hmm. but I'm just not excited for, you know, the Bad Batch themselves. <laughs> like, I like <laughs> I like that we get to explore, like, you know, like, the you know, the blurb said, you know, the aftermath of the Clone Wars. That's cool, um, because there are a lot of directions that they can go in and they could use, like, the Bad Batch as a way to really, like, you know, just explore different avenues and you know we can witness you know different you know events that happen that you know we might not necessarily know about that kind of shape the empire uh but you know like like i said you know maybe maybe the jedi hunts you know maybe we get to see you know the birth of like the inquisitors and everything um that that could be cool also like we get to find out what the fuck happened to all of those clones because there are a lot of clones yes um we know what happens with Rax and like i think it's wolf who also was with them in rebels right i don't remember Rax and wolf and yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) well Rax is like the main one that sticks around but um you know what about you know commander cody like we don't really get to see what happens with cody um, you know, so maybe we'll get cameos and shit and see some like clone guilt. <laughs> Obi-Wan just goes and kills him. <laughs> Shot me That'd off a cliff, cool. man. Yeah. <laughs> like, do the co- clones like realize that they've been kind of duped? You know, is there that that regret? There? You know, I could see Filoni writing that type of storyline, especially after what we saw, how Rex reacted to what he was doing. But, you know, from the movie standpoint, Cody just was like, fucking take him down. You know, yeah. maybe it's just like inhibited at that point that he doesn't care about the Jedi. They are traitors. He, That's it. He didn't resist at all. No. Like, there was no. He was just going to shoot fucking Obi-Wan. He didn't give a shit. Um, yeah. I mean, and then like, did the Bad Batch not have inhibitors? Yes. That's I'm wondering that as well. You know, since they were like defects, did they not bother giving them inhibitors? So, or maybe somehow they overrode them. I don't know. Um, yeah, it could it could be interesting. I, like I said, I'm just kind of disappointed because I just felt like there's so many different avenues like they could have really mm-hmm. like gone down with a new animated series. Um, but who knows? Like I mean, like I was honestly hoping to get something like from the original trilogy. Oh, okay. Um, but mm. I always want something from the original trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just me and my generation of fandom, I guess. I say give me Star Wars Inquisitors. Just give me that as a series. That that would be fantastic. Mm. I've been reading a lot about the Inquisitors um, recently because my daughter just got a Star Wars encyclopedia. So there's a lot of shit that I didn't know about that, you know, doesn't happen with them in the, you know, Rebels series. You know, just shit that happened in the comics and in books and, you know, in the video games was like, man, I want to know more about these Inquisitors. Mm. The fact that they're like all former Jedi 
that's fascinating to me. Like, I want to see that story. Maybe they get to, maybe they'll do that here with the Bad Batch series. Because it is, like, time-wise, that kind of matches up. No, I feel like that's a good, you know, enemy for them to, like, just run into. I believe it's six, in season six, uh, when, you know, they have the whole trial with Ahsoka and everything Mm -hmm. like that. They actually have the Grand Inquisitor um, do a little cameo. He's the one who's um, bringing, I believe, Barriss into the Senate. Uh, So, like, there's that little, like, Easter egg. Like, he was one of the guards at the Jedi Temple. So, I mean, I don't know. I I think – and there's a lot of the Inquisitors, like, just – the number sequence that they have that we don't know about. So I feel like there's some story there to really get into. Like maybe there are some Jedi out there who became inquisitors that we know, um, but you know, haven't seen that story play out yet. Hey, they all meet kind of the same end. Usually <laughs> yeah, that is true. Vader just to- knocking yes. off heads. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. Well, moving on. Star Wars rumor claims Hayden Christensen returning for Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series. Huh. Um, so and this isn't just a cameo. According to LRM, uh, they're claiming that Christensen will actually be a regular on the series. Um, and it was something where the planned cameo just expanded into something bigger during negotiations. I don't know. It sounds a little weird to me because, like, how do you fit him into the series timeline-wise? Because this is obviously Obi-Wan on Tatooine, you know, watching over Luke. So, you know, I mean, Anakin's full Vader at this point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is this just, like, flashbacks? I'm guessing, you know, or it's just, you know, Anakin standing in the background every once in a while. (laughs) <laughs> just on fire like, <laughs> like haunting like obi-wan yes that's what that'd i be, imagine a lot, that'd a be lot terrifying. of <laughs> um i mean sign me up for that that's pretty cool <laughs> no yeah that'd be cool um but yeah. um yeah yeah I hate you. <laughs> I mean, Obi Wan's <laughs> got to become the old man hermit with a little bit of, you know, an edge. Not an edge, but like something's something's a little loose up there. <laughs> Can, do you think like it's like Vader like fucking with Obi Wan like across the galaxy? <sighs> you think? Like, is, it, is it is it kind of like the Ray and uh, uh, Kylo thing? They're I don't know if I would want force. that. I wouldn't, <laughs> especially if it's like, you know, Obi-Wan with his shirt off, like standing uh, there all sweaty and shit. Like, I don't need that. I, I also think it. that ruins the f- moment when they first meet up again on the Death Star, you know, if like they've been like force talking to each other this whole yeah. time. Yeah, I just don't see how it fits. So I, I definitely would say take this, you know, as with a grain of salt, like. <laughs> I could see a cameo. Don't get me wrong, like some flashbacks here and there, but as a like a, a series regular, that I don't know. That seems like a stretch. I mean, maybe he's got some good agents, man. He just you know worked himself into a good deal. He just really like shoehorned himself in. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need more Anakin. <laughs> Let's talk about my hatred for sand. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's why Obi Wan hid Luke? well then why did he put leia on alderaan vader's never gonna want to come here i'm just saying (laughs) 
I mean, Obi-Wan's pretty much the worst at this. Like, <laughs> I don't think it was Obi-Wan. I just think that was George Lucas. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I'm sure that's what it was. He didn't have this thing planned out 13 movies in advance. No, he could have just looked up in a phone book in the galaxy where his son was. Yeah. <laughs> Through the fucking Empire. They could have found Luke. Like oh, it was n- <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It doesn't man. make any sense. But that's okay. We still love it. <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but we still love it. God damn it. All right. Well, up next, the Batman TV spinoff Gotham PD by Matt Reeves ordered for HBO Max. All right. So this series is going to be overseen by Reeves and Terrence Winter. Um, and it will be set in the world that Reeves is creating uh, in the feature film The Batman with the intent of being a launch of a new Batman universe across multiple platforms. Um, So, and it's going to be looking at and examining the corruption in Gotham City. Uh, It does not go on to say whether or not this is going to be a prequel series or something that's going to be happening, uh, coinciding with, you know, the Batman films that Reeves Mm. has planned. So I found that interesting. I mean, as long as uh, Fish Mahoney doesn't show up, I'm good. Um, But this just feels like so typical Warner Brothers, though. Like, counting your chickens before they fucking hatch. Like, Mm -hmm. let's get the Batman out in theaters and see if it's actually fucking good before we go ahead and, like, create this whole, like, universe across, you know, platforms or the fuck they said. (laughs) You know, let's, like, make sure that the movie's good and we like what Reeves is doing and we enjoy his vision before we invest this much time and, you know, money into, like, a whole expanding universe. No, they just expect too much. Like, that's why, like, things just keep failing for them it's like they they expect their big names to just draw everyone make the money and then move on you know they don't put enough effort into actually building the story now i mean i have i have a lot of great hopes for matt reeves film and stuff like that and so do they apparently but um i just i want to see that film first i totally agree with you that film needs to come out before we even start talking tv shows and you know possible expansions and stuff like that i know it's hbo max so they're like in they're like you know it's underwhelming for them probably right now with like not too many subscribers coming in not enough content on the platform but they should have thought of that before launching yeah you know that's that's on them so don't push too much because you're gonna fucking fuck up your new dc universe whatever that's gonna be uh or potential (laughs) soft reboot with with the flash or if the flash is even in the flash film so it's just it's a fucking mess over there wait you're telling me that we could get a flash film without the fucking flash (laughs) (laughs) it's possible at this point that would be so warner brothers (laughs) Um, yeah i I'm excited for Reeves, you know, his film and everything Mm. like that. I've actually enjoyed everything that I've seen so far, you know, the little that we've seen so far. Um, But once again, this just feels like let the film like come out before we start signing on for these bigger projects. Um, I just, you know, who knows if we want more of this, you know, version of Batman. This feels very much what like Universal did with like the dark universe and like, you know, all their universal monster like properties where they went ahead and they, you know, they had the mummy like in the can and then they did this huge press release, you know, basically announcing all these other films and literally signed 
all these actors <laughs> to deals and had pre-production going for like multiple films. And then the mummy comes out and it fucking bombs. It's horrible. And then they're like, oh, well, fuck that. Let's <laughs> close up shop. And they just like, you know, cancel all those projects. Exactly. You know, don't do that, Warner Brothers. Whatever you do, <laughs> you know, don't pull Universal here. Uh, make sure the Batman's good. So, I mean, I'm I'm happy that they're confident. That's great. And I'm excited for it. But let's pump the brakes a little. Just start small. It's it's not that hard. Just do one film for each character and move on from there. See what people like and what people don't. And then you get to take criticism and you make what's best going forward. It's, it's not that hard. It's the MCU effect, though. You know, they've seen the, you know, the success with the MCU and they want that so bad. But they're trying to shotgun it. And mm-hmm. you just have to let it develop slowly. You know, they didn't have that in mind when they released the first Iron Man. They they didn't, you know, there was an inkling that they might want to travel down that road, but they had no clue that they're going to go on this, like, you know, infinity saga and, like, put out, you know, 20-some films, you know, over the next, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that just kind of developed organically. Um, and they just need to be patient. So hopefully... I don't know. I mean, I want to say hopefully they've learned their lesson, but it doesn't seem that way. Uh, Hopefully it's just awesome, you know? And once again, there's no fucking fish Mahoney. Because fuck Gotham. (laughs) Fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Don't be the guy at the beach with a bear rug on your chest. And if you put on some quarantine weight, the least you can do is be as smooth as a baby seal. The worst feeling in the world is that first day on the beach and you're rocking your brand new European style bathing suit and it looks like you're smuggling some Ewoks down there. You know what I mean. That's why I love Manscaped. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with Essential Lawn Mower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. If you're in need of a chest shave, this is the best trimmer on the market. This third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. Don't accidentally shave off your nipple like Christian did. You can also adjust the settings to get the length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. You can even trim our show logo into your promised land if you're bold enough. Go ahead and DM Christian and show us your nerd love. Be sure to use their crop cleanser to keep your hair and skin healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, so it's as good for your chest hair as it is for your skin. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's designed to give you pep in your step. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag at a $39 value and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. 
Get 20% off plus free shipping when you visit manscaped.com slash nerdshow. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's right, people. Get 20% off and free shipping when you visit manscaped.com slash nerdshow. That's 20% off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash nerdshow. Trim your chesticles with the besticles and tell them the nerd sent ya. All right, Christian, it's time for my favorite segment of the show, because I don't have to talk a lot, Christian's <laughs> Corner. Yeah! All right, guys, well, today I'm going to be talking about Ubisoft Forward, but before we get into that, I do want to announce that I will be officially starting live streaming through YouTube and Twitch and all that good stuff, but mostly YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> So it is official. I wouldn't allow him to announce if it wasn't official and he hadn't promised me that there's <laughs> going to be a live stream at least once a week. So you can go ahead and head over to YouTube and go ahead and subscribe to The Amazing Nerd Show. And you'll get to see this guy stream every week. And we'll also be dropping just snippets of episodes and probably like full episodes will make their way there eventually. Yes, we're, we're still working on that. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe some bonus content. Who knows? Exactly. And if you, of course, if you miss the live streams, I'm going to also be editing down them and posting uh, parts of them each day. That's right. So go ahead and pay attention to us uh, on social media because we'll be promoting and letting you know when that is going to be taking place. Exactly. Also, hit the bell. That's right. God damn it. Hit that bell. David's like, what the fuck's the bell? I know what the <laughs> bell is. I'm on YouTube. All right. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some Ubisoft forward. So with everything going on with COVID and everything, we, we've been getting the summer of gaming, as I've been talking about these last few uh, weeks and so. Uh, and what we got for Ubisoft forward, you know, they, they were kind of like the last ones to come out for a while. It's been, I think, a couple weeks uh, since the, uh, the EA Play was the last one I watched. And you, you'd think, like, it's, it's no detriment to them, but Ubisoft seems to have just copied the same formula as every other company that has done one of these live streams so far. And that's what made it a little bit more disappointing, because I've just seen it so much. You know, as someone who has grown up watching games journalism and, you know, fucking uh, big events that they throw every year for most of my life, I, this formula needs to change at certain points. Uh, you know, one of the big things that happened before Ubisoft Forward even came out was uh, Far Cry 6 leaked. Um, that was one. Of the, that was going to be their big surprise at the end of the live stream. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, images and stuff got out, and people got the big information before it came. So you'd think maybe they would edit around, change their um, thing up a little bit, make it. You know, put Far Cry 6 at the beginning then, and then, you know, focus more on Assassin's Creed later or something like that. But no, they, they stuck to the same formula where they showed off some, a couple games, and then at the end, they're like, and we have so much more to come in the future, next gen, woo woo. And then they're like, but we have one more big surprise for you, and it was Far Cry 6. And so it, was, it wasn't a surprise, it's, we all knew it was coming. Um, I, I just... I would hope that, like, after, you know, a month of watching these things, all June, they would have, like, edited or changed it up a bit, changed up the game, you know, let's, 
let's see let's see something exciting and new you know there's there's not much from ubisoft that i'm interested in nowadays you know there's a they their big focus with like hyperscape and stuff like that those games just i just have no interest in games like that anymore where it's just like seasonal releases and constant dlc and stuff like that just or uh well most of the time it's like free dlc for, the, for that type of shit i'm just i'm so over that that first person shooter experience uh where you're just constantly you know uh, and fucking battle royals. I'm just so so over those games. But the, so so I'm, with that said, I'm gonna focus on the three standouts for me during the Ubisoft Forward. Um, the first one being Watch Dogs um, Legion. Um, you know, it continues to see be a ambitious experience that I'm seeing on the screen every time they show off the game. And you know, it's exciting. I did I did enjoy Watch Dogs 2 for what it was. Watch Dogs 1, of course, is a is a shaky game, but it's not it's not bad. It was enjoyable for what it was. Um, this one seems to be the most ambitious out of all of them. And you know, I'm I'm interested in seeing, you know, like how how immersed you can get in a game where you're constantly switching between characters and stuff like that. And with it being this ambitious, I'm wondering how long the actual runtime will be. Because I mean, if it, there's there's only so I feel like so much Ubisoft uh, creators can do. I look at Ubisoft similar to to EA, not not as egregious, but you know, very close. Where they they can sometimes put out a half-assed game. I mean, they they need to put out a AAA title. Um, Watch Dogs has been successful so far for them, but this I mean this seems like a lot of undertaking for a game made by a studio like Ubisoft. You know, um, I, I just I feel like the runtime is going to be short. I'm going to need to see some numbers. You know, it's just because there's so much going on. You can literally recruit so many people. The fact that you can recruit one of the enemy guards as well, I didn't see that coming. Uh, I thought that was a very interesting element. Uh, there's just so many exciting little tidbits to this game that I'm, I'm interested in seeing play out. Uh, I'm definitely going to need to learn more about the game going forward, but it's just, you know, uh, you know we're, we're approaching fall and, you know, they're probably going to hide as much information as they can so that people will buy. You know, that's at the end of the day, they want the money. <laughs> um, speaking of Assassin's Creed, we also got more Assassin's Creed Valhalla um, gameplay and stuff like that. And you know, they showed off you know the different genders you can play as, you know, either male or female version of the main character. Um, you know, just similar to the last few that they've been putting out. And again, this doesn't necessarily remind me or make me feel like it's a, an Assassin's Creed game. You know, and that's probably not a bad thing nowadays because you know I was I was a massive Assassin's Creed fan when they first started, but you know three threw me off. Black Flag was amazing, but then everything after that just kind of you know slowed down. The, the franchise really needed a big reboot, and when it came, I mean it came. You know, it, it was it was successful. They they have created a new storyline and new you know way of playing the game each time but for the most part i feel like you know each assassin's creed game now is just you know they're just throwing the assassin's creed title on it and they're just making whatever historical game that they want um, which is fine it's it's just I, i'm surprised that you know they haven't just either scrapped the name and started off with something new or 
You know, it, it's it's interesting. Um, I, like, because like even when they showed off that there were stealth missions in this game, it felt weird compared to everything else. Like, oh, and now you could put your character your character puts on its hood and walks through the town trying to be mysterious and secrets. Like, I can't imagine you know running around as a Viking. <laughs> uh, performing assassinations and stuff like that. It, it that that felt off compared to everything else that they showed off. But that's I mean that's on its own. Far Cry 6 they you know they gave us a beautiful uh, cinematic trailer. Um, a villain is being played by the the same guy from uh, the Mandalorian. I uh, Moff Gideon. I can't pronounce the actual actor's name, so I'm not going to even try. Uh, <laughs> and you know. He's a great actor. Um, I love a lot of the work that he's done. This felt very serious compared to the, you know, some of the last few villains that we got in the Far Cry series. Um, I mean, the last one was on more of the serious edge, but we usually get, it seems a little bit more of eccentric and um, charismatic type characters. Uh, this one seems pretty hardcore. Um, I am still kind of interested. I, I, I'm kind of curious how this plays out. I want to know more about this game but you know it was just a cinematic trailer there's not much to really see there and that's that's pretty much it from what i got out of the ubisoft 4 it's it wasn't super exciting there wasn't too much to show off for them you know I, I, again like i've been saying this is a transitional period where we're going to be getting you know kind of the last of the console generation that we currently have and every studio is now working towards the future um, and that's, I mean, the future looks bright, it looks exciting, but, you know, right now, just, just wait for Cyberpunk, like everyone else, and, you know, play the games that you feel are necessary. <laughs> Alright, and that does it for my corner. Again, live stream starting this weekend, Ghost of Tsushima is going to be the game I'm playing. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, most likely going to be live streaming this Saturday. I'll post on social media, um, beforehand, of course. This week's episode is sponsored by... All right, Christian, my calendar is marked, man. I'm getting so excited. Oh, yeah? What's going on? My favorite outlaw guitarist, Jesse Dayton's newest EP, Golf Coast Sessions, is almost finally here. Oh, that's right, man. It's coming July 24th. Yes, ever since I saw him play alongside Social Distortion, I've been just a huge fan. I mean, he's just the perfect mix between old school country and punk rock. Hell, yeah. I've heard he's even played alongside artists like Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, and L.A. Punk Pioneers X. Yeah. Man, this next EP is a collection of original songs inspired by music that he was raised on while growing up in Texas and experiencing the sounds from Beaumont to New Orleans. Hey, and if people want to experience the music world's best kept secret, Jesse Dayton's Gulf Coast Sessions on Blue Ellen Records, they can head over to jessedayton.com or blueellen.com and pre-order today. Yeah, head over to jessedayton.com and go ahead and pre-order Country Outlaw Guitars Jesse Dayton's newest EP and of course, check out the rest of his amazing catalog. All right, we watched a couple movies this week, starting off The Old Guard. Potential spoilers ahead. Navigate with caution. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. So you good guys or bad guys? Depends on the century. So we really never die. Just because we keep living doesn't mean we stop hurting. <laughs> Throughout history, we've protected this world, fighting in the shadows. But it's nearly impossible to disappear in the world we live in today. A covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must now 
fight to keep their identity a secret, just as an unexpected new member is discovered. This is directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood and written by Greg Rucka. The Old Guard for me is a case of subverted expectations. Um, by that I mean, like, I came for the action and I stayed for the story. Um, Charlie's Theron is great in these action roles um, and should do more. She just feels like such a believable badass. Like, I'm pretty sure she could kick my ass pretty easily and just some major ass in general. Uh, so when I saw the trailer, I was sold. Uh, it looked like an interesting premise that could like lead to some really cool fight sequences. Uh, and while there are some pretty nice action scenes, I definitely felt like they could have gotten more creative with these characters' abilities, especially since the Immortals, um, you know, think Wolverine meets John Wick or like, you know, Gun Fu with a healing factor. I, but like they decided to take more of a grounded approach when it came to like these immortal characters and their abilities. They feel pain and they act realistically to getting hurt. Um, the only real difference is that they can survive it. Um, this kept things from getting like too over the top, which I have mixed feelings about. I kind of wanted that. Um, on the other hand, when it comes to like Charlize's character, um, Andy, you know, I I kind of thought it was neat that like one of her abilities is that she's just been alive for a real long time and she's become really skilled at murdering people. <laughs> Choreography, you know, was really top notch in this movie. It felt like there were real fights. Um, you know, and the problem I had was I wasn't completely enamored with the way that they shot them. It felt a little dated, too unfocused and shaky. Um, it it kind of took away from the like spectacle of the scene because like I felt like they could have stood on their own without like a million freaking jump cuts. They were like serviceable. You know, don't get me wrong, but like in the long run, I felt like it could have been so much more. Uh, what I wasn't expecting, though, was like how much I really enjoyed the story and like how like at the end of the movie, I would wanted to like really follow these characters on their next adventure. So light spoilers, um, this group has been alive for centuries. Throughout time, they go on missions to protect humanity. Uh, we get snippets of this like through flashback scenes, and it, it really adds a lot to the story. But a lot like the action sequences, I just wanted more of them. Um, you know, especially since they seemed more interesting than kind of like their like you know current like main mission that they were going on. But we'll get to that later. Um, we do get to learn like through these like flashbacks that you know they don't really know like themselves like truly like the nature of their powers and they are just like basically following these like simple rules that they know at this point and like one of them is that you know everything that lives must die at some point like even them so like the next time they could die it could be the last time um and like there's no rhyme or reason for it so at least when they have these like you know huge fights there are some stakes there um you know they can't just go out and waste lives because uh, they 
they could eventually run out. Um, also, like we see that there's like a personal toll to being immortal. Um, and it weighs on some of the characters really heavily. You like you've heard of like a lifetime of like regret, but like imagine living like you know multiple lifetimes of regret. So like you know, there's this like strong sense of like melancholy hanging over a lot of these characters. Um, like Charlize's character, especially um, Andy, has just become like kind of disillusioned. You know, as the leader of the team, like she doesn't know exactly what the point of the mission anymore is and like she's not really sure if they're really making a difference so this dynamic really makes it interesting when a new character is like introduced into the group um played wonderfully by kiki lane um you know can andy sell to her you know this mission and uh, get her to become part of the group when she herself doesn't necessarily believe in what they're doing anymore um, just, you know, some really, like, thought-provoking shit um, that I wasn't expecting in this, like, action film, you know, and it just, like, some nice subtext, you know, for, like, the world's, like, current state, but, like, maybe I'm just seeing things I want to, <laughs> but, like, also, like, okay, let's get back to, like, the main, like, current mission that the team is, like, on, so, like, in this film, it does come off a little weak, um, and kind of like an afterthought, you know, and it does kind of make this movie feel like a setup like a glorified epilogue which you know we've been getting a lot lately um with you know like you know series like um warrior done uh but like you know i enjoyed enough of this film that i can kind of forgive it and the last scene like really got me excited you know wanting to see more you know the one thing i would say is that it it feels like it might be better suited as like a series than a film but that just might be like me being greedy damon i don't think that makes you greedy at all i totally agree this feels more like i don't know more like a tv series type of show and if we had gotten it as a tv series maybe it would have like for me, I would have wanted to spend more time with each character and gotten to know them a little bit better. Um, I, I felt like the story was a little too weak on my on my end. Um, you know, that was my my personal opinion. I just the the motivations and stuff like that uh, were kind of weak for me, and then the, their chemistry as a group was kind of weak for me. You know, uh, the relationship between Joe and Nikki I thought was super believable, and they. I thought they had great chemistry, but beyond that, I, the group just didn't feel, I, I don't know. They didn't feel like people that had lived with each other for millennia for me. Um, you know, th my best way of describing this film as a whole is that it was like a $30 video game experience where, you know, there's, there's just elements that I didn't, there wasn't enough elements to make me want to pay full price. You know, um, there's a lot of... <laughs> You, you, I, I do agree. You come for the action, but the way that the action was shot, you know, is 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 very against what I want in an action film. It felt like I was watching an early like 2010 movie. You know, it, it just kept moving everywhere. But the choreography is super strong. Like when there's a moment in the film where someone gets their neck broken, and I was like, ooh, you know, I really got into it. But it just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough like action or story to really make me either invest in the characters or just love this for being an action film. Um, where it headed and everything, you know, it's definitely leaning towards we want a sequel and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. There, there's there's not enough there for me or on the plate that made me want to like get more out of the show. 
Um, the biggest part, the biggest thing for me is the, is the villain. Uh, the big bad in this movie is just so weak and so uninteresting. And there's nothing, there's no, I don't know, there's no like, bleh, to make me really want to hate this guy or really get it. Like, you didn't like Dollar Store Lex Luthor? <laughs> no, I didn't like Dollar Store Lex Luthor. More like 50 Cent Store. You know, it's... <laughs> big Pharma, like... Yeah. Uh, it, it was. It was just so, I don't know. There was a lot of just cliche moments with that and everything. I don't know. This this film kind of disappointed for me. It was it was kind of a it was a disappointment on my end. I I, I went in with low expectations because I didn't know much about it, but from there I, I never got too hyped or excited for what I was seeing. It should all like an action film like this should accumulate to a massive boss fight or something like that, especially with their powers. And just that that tower fight that they had was just I don't know, wasn't wasn't enough for me. It was it was no John Wick. I'll say I'll say that. <laughs> well, that's an unfair comparison. <laughs> I guess there aren't many movies that are John Wick, but I, I understand <laughs> completely what you're saying. Um, like I said, I felt like their main like mission just I don't know, just was kind of there. Um, I was much more interested in like the snippets that we saw, like the flashbacks that we saw and mm. like that story, um, especially like between like Andy and, you know, her partner, um, you know, that she starts off with. I thought that was the more interesting story. And I like that it ends spoilers kind of on that note again. So, um, but, you know, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Oh, and to add to some of your grievances, I totally forgot <laughs> to mention the soundtrack to this film. It literally felt like they like someone just took their iPhone and put it on shuffle because like <laughs> the music cues made absolutely uh -huh. no sense to me. Like it would mm. go from like being like well scored and then like just some like random song would pop up with like way too many lyrics and just like overtake the scene. And it never felt like it really meshed well. So, I mean, I, I definitely... You know, I, there's definitely some grievances I have also. <laughs> um, with no, this I totally film. noticed that. But um, what would you give this film um, if you had to grade it, Christian? You know, it's not the worst thing I've saw this year. You know, there there is a lot of potential there, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a solid C. Okay, I'm gonna give it a B minus. I, I definitely think I enjoyed it a little more than you did. Um, so, and I think for me, it was because of the low expectations. But I thought there was a solid story there. I'm a big fan of Greg Rucka, um, you know, and this is based on one of his books. So I, I and I know he actually did the screenplay also. So I, I'm curious to see where he takes the story. Okay. So I'm kind of giving it a grade on potential. I guess I'm grading on a curve, maybe. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> no, no, but I still agree. Charlize Theron did a great job. She always does a great job in action films. Um, seeing the stunt work, like that whole, um, there's a whole church scene that was fucking awesome. Yes. And I was kind of hoping for more of that going forward. And we just, it just wasn't there. Yes. More of that. Like I, I yes. that's, that was what I was kind of hoping, but I go back to what I was originally saying too. I was kind of expecting them to use the fact that they were like immortals, you know, more so in these action scenes. Mm. I was like picturing them like getting like limbs cut off and them just like keep on battling and shit, you know, but that's where my head always kind of, you know, drifts. <laughs> I always I go towards the, <laughs> the gore. So, but I mean, the trailer kind of leads you that direction where, mm. you know, they show them get killed and, you know, get right back up again. So, but anyway. Let's move on. Uh, you also saw another movie 
That's right, I saw the horror film Relic. Do you know where you were, Mum? I suppose I went out. What's this? I was on the property when your grandfather inherited it. His mind wasn't there in the end. You can't put Gran in a home. She can't live on her own anymore. She has to be watched. Everything all right, Gran? I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever was coming into the house. When Edna, the elderly and widowed matriarch of the family, goes missing, her daughter Kay and granddaughter Sam travel to their remote family home to find her. Soon after her return, they start to discover a sinister presence haunting the house and taking control of Edna. This is directed by Natalie Erica James and also written by Natalie Erica James and Christian White. So Relic is this incredibly well-executed experiment in dread and despair. Um, helmed and co-written by the insanely talented Natalie Erica James in her feature-length debut. If you can't tell already, I'm a fan of this movie. Um, light spoilers ahead because I don't want to take anything away from you know anyone's viewing experience, if you will. <laughs> so anyway, this is my kind of horror film. Uh, it takes a real-life premise, something sadly we all have to eventually deal with. Um, you know, in either like helplessly watching a loved one grow old and fade in front of our eyes or, you know, eventually dealing with it ourselves, like, you know, in the cruel nature of father time, knowing that we're slowly losing make, you know, what makes us us and just desperately trying to hold on, you know, it takes a mirror to that and really explores how it affects a family. So, like, this story is delivered in a slow-burn atmospheric nightmare where James expertly uses things like sound and shadows and framing to build suspense. You know, the classics. <laughs> um, she does things like little nuances that, you know, I was glad to watch this movie on video on demand because I was actually able to rewind because there's stuff happening in the background that, you know, it's kind of like blink and you miss it. Um, just really well done. Uh, you know, the dread, uh, you know, in this movie is a character very much onto itself. Um, and it is just smothering this family, you know, and the audience as they watch this film. Um, there, it's like this supernatural element um, that has this mystery around it, but it never really gets solved or explained, which I'm okay with that. Like, I don't spoon feed the audience. Um, allow them to connect the dots using their imagination leave it open to interpretation and i you know i think it adds to the horror really in the long run in a film like this uh you know and really it's just a vehicle for this well-crafted allegory anyway so you know i mean it's just the physical manifestation of dementia and like how it corrupts you know this family and this house you know and their poor you know dear old grandmother um, you know, and if you've ever like experienced this, you know, with a loved one, 
you know, and suffered through this with them, you know that it's unrelenting and just, you know, depressing and unforgiving and, you know, kind of terrifying. Um, and we get to experience all this through tremendous performances by Emily Mortimer, Robin Niven, um, and Bella Heathcote. Uh, especially Robin Niven plays the grandmother, and she goes from being this, like, wholesome, you know, grandmother's grandmother to being, like, this, I don't know, this terrifying being. Um, and just a really, like, well-layered performance. So, but anyway, um, you know, what they put on the screen is very grounded and real. Um, you get to experience like all the stages of grief with them, denial, guilt, anger, and like finally acceptance. Um, and it really like, you know, takes you for a ride. I will warn you, like <sighs> this film is probably not for everyone. And I think it's because of its unconventional like storytelling style this is the definition of like an art house horror film. It doesn't follow the typical Hollywood formula for horror. Uh, you're not going to get a jump scare every 10 minutes or so. There's not some big like resolution at the end of the film with the protagonist's battling some creature um you know maybe a little that happens but like there's not this like beautiful resolution with sunshine and freaking rainbows and birds singing like you know rather this is just a slow suspense building crawl that crescendos in an absolute cataclysm of events for our characters i mean the sequences that happen you know and that the characters go through it's just like hard to wash out of your brain afterwards for days they really affect you um you know with that being said this movie might not resonate the same uh, for all the audience um i think it depends if you've you know dealt with this before have had to like go through this situation before um but that's the true art of horror it's subjective um especially when you dare to tackle a subject matter that's so intimate and personal so um you know it's a movie where you might not enjoy it the first time you watch it but then after you know you've gone through some things in life you might come back to and it might click for you uh, I think one of my major critiques would be, you know, maybe if we could have gotten a couple more scenes um, to like watch like the family, you know, how they were, uh, you know, before everything that happens in this movie, just, you know, to add that like extra level of heartbreak. Uh, but honestly, that's all I've got. You know, I thought this film was brilliant and probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. You know, with how you're saying the story is kind of thin and simple, but do you think that the ending was satisfying enough for you? Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that the story's necessary. I guess thin is kind of the wrong word. Simple. Um, the ending is definitely, you know, strong enough, um, but it's definitely divisive. Like, um, I could see people being kind of turned off by it because it's so metaphorical. Um, I thought it was perfect. It reminds me a lot of the Babadook. Mm. Um, you know, uh, the Babadook has a huge like fan base, but there are a lot of people who also fucking hate that film. 
So this movie is very much in the same vein as that. You know, I love I love me some art house, but I need I need a satisfying ending. And that's that's kind of what I'm just trying to to draw out of you. But I don't want any spoilers. I am yes. still very interested in this. Uh, I, I did like the trailer a lot. So I do want to still watch it. Maybe maybe I'll throw in my thoughts next week or something. I just right. ran out of time. All right. Okay. <laughs> so um, if you could give this a grade, what would you? Uh, I'm going to give it an A minus. A minus. All right. Yes. Yes. I'm going to give it an A minus. Um, honestly, the only reason it's getting the minus is just because it could have used maybe five to ten more minutes with the family before like the shit hits the fan. Um, just to, like I said before, to add that extra layer of like almost loss and heartbreak. I mean, it was a so. short film, so I, I can't imagine that five or ten minutes wouldn't hurt it in general. No, no, and honestly, what I'm suggesting might actually hurt it. So, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do I know? <laughs> no, but I mean, I can't say enough about the director, um, Natalie Erica James. She's definitely like an artist to watch. All right, Damon. Well, it's time to close out the show. But before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. Hey, Damien, what are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing the horror film, The Beach House. And we're also going to be reviewing WWE Extreme Rules, The Horror Show. Because I'm terrified already. Yes, we're a glutton for punishment, Christian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway... All right, yep, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the amazing nerd show. Eye for an eye, Christian. Eye, eye for, for an eye. eye. <laughs> what? How can you do this? This is outrageous. It's unfair. <laughs>